Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I am your host, Carleen McMore, and together with the AJP, I am bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like, rate and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. Today we're talking about career progression. Are you at a crossroad in your career? Are you making your best contribution? Are you, have you considered yourself to be a jack of all trades and looked at all the unlimited opportunities? Are we balancing the opportunities and prioritizing? Are there too many opportunities? Here today from how some pharmacists that we know of balance their opportunities, how they make sure that they're making the most valuable contribution, how they prioritize and reevaluate what they're giving their time to, and hopefully you enjoy the podcast. Thanks. Lily Pham, Tina Blafari, and Jess Shao talk about the benefits and limitations of specializing, being supportive of each other, and recognition. Within hospital pharmacists, it's, it's kind of like a rite of passage that you specialize into your whatever area. So like oncology, for example, be like, yes, I'm an oncology pharmacist, but I don't know, I feel like you just shouldn't be restricted to that role because you have so much other knowledge as well that you can provide to anyone. So, yeah, I don't know about specialising, which might not be the common view, I guess. I I think, I mean, with we see doctors specialising. I mean, why don't we, you know? Um, I I don't think it's a negative thing to have specialising practice within pharmacy. Um, But again, yes, we should definitely not be restricted by our specialisations. And it is also up to the individual. Some individuals are a lot more engaged and a lot more passionate about certain topics than others. Um, And we should be nurturing that and encouraging that within our profession and not maybe having the argument, should we or should we not specialise, but rather, you know, be supportive of each other. And that's how we help our profession grow. And also getting recognised for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need we need honour roll systems for everything. <laughs> but even yeah, even with that comparison between the medical field, every single person that goes to the Bachelor of Medicine comes out with being able to be a GP. What's the difference? Every single pharmacist should come out being able to perform the things that are necessary, like medical reviews, like immunisations, and then you see um, healthcare, the healthcare profession certain individuals go I actually want to really focus on this I really want to focus on that to me there's no difference if I like if you're a pharmacist that wants to take off some time and do research and if you're a pharmacist that wants to continue studying and becoming a specialist in any field that you choose but I think we do see that changing with our universities at the moment I know that um for the University of Sydney we've recently done a trial for the vaccination course within, embedded within the second year master's um, pharma, a pharmacy course. And so that's always a great start to have our education be re- really reflective of the, the scope and the landscape of pharmacy at the moment. So, yeah. Diana Mills and Erin Cooper discuss the benefits of having a great mentor, gaining experience and growing confidence and doing something different that is initially challenging. They also talked about being part of associations, going to conferences, and taking challenges. 
I think there's a few spots that I can very clearly pinpoint in my short career from being a third year student to now. And one of those things was taking up the opportunity to do an honours project. And I ended up with Jacinta Johnson, who everyone knows very well as my um, supervisor. And she constantly encouraged me from that point in time to present research or go and speak to this person or do all these different things. And she's been there along the journey. So it links back to what we say about mentors. But um, again, it was one of those spots where I was scared. I didn't know what research was. I didn't know what honours meant. Um, (laughs) I didn't know what academic careers were. And now I'm doing a PhD. So that's probably been the pivotal point for me is that taking on that project that I was scared of I did it it went really well I then had the confidence to apply for hospital pharmacy I did that that went really well I then did some more research because I like the process and then I've ended up doing a PhD which again terrifying but there's that one point that I can sort of look at and know that that's how I ended up where I am and it's because I decided to do something that was a bit different Um, I guess for me, um, coming from such a small university um, branch, I didn't realise how big the pharmacy student um, network was. Um, So I attended my first NAPSA Congress at the end of first year in Perth and had an amazing time, met so many people. It was so lovely to be around other pharmacy students who shared the same ideas as me and we could talk about pharmacy and I wasn't being laughed at because... Other people knew what I was talking about. Um, and I guess from then, I really wanted to be as involved with NAPSA and with as many pharmacy students as possible. So I started off just becoming a member of OPSA. My local branch um, was vice president of that. Then in the last year, became publications chair for NAPSA. So I felt like I was getting my foot a bit more in the door. And then, yeah, I just took a chance as Diana was talking about before in applying for president and um, I'm super excited to see how it will go and how I can um, be involved with all the pharmacy students across Australia. I think that um, Congress is something as a pharmacy student or being involved with your local um, pharmacy association, students association is a huge huge step in the right direction I think there's so many people at this conference at PSA that catch up and say hey we first met at congress 10 years ago there's people who got married that met there so um so many good things come from connecting with like-minded people and that's one fantastic way to do it so I can 100% see how you ended up here from congress as well Lauren Burton shares about the crossroad of research or pharmacy her passions and moving for opportunities. She also discusses working in a broad range of roles and knowing where you make your best contribution. Yeah, um, my career um, from the very start started with um, a a desire to work with people. So I worked in a community pharmacy in my hometown of Werribee, Melbourne. Um, and it was it's located next to the train station and it was a very interesting place to work. So I was very fortunate to have very, very supportive staff members who um, taught me and took me on. I was a 16-year-old pharmacy assistant and just loved chatting to people. Um, but 
uh, as I moved into university study, I did a Bachelor of Science at the Melbourne University before I did my pharmacy degree. And I did an honours year at Mel- the Peter McCallum Cancer Centre in Pathology and Breast Cancer Metastasis. But during that time, I continued to uh, maintain uh, working in a local community pharmacy. And it was a service-based community pharmacy. Um, and they had a really great structure for supporting their pharmacists. And I could really see the impact that um, these highly talented pharmacists were making on our communities and healthcare and the gratitude every day people had for the work they were doing. Um, and... I, so I was fortunate enough, it kind of evolved from a place, a social place where I got to have this really interesting part-time job and be, continue to always learn um, to understanding that this actually could be a career, something uh, I could turn into, um, you know, a way of earning money and being an adult. Um, so I did my honours year um, at Peter McCallum and it was a, I got to a crossroad where I had to consider going down a research path where I was offered a number of PhD opportunities or move towards doing pharmacy. And um, because I had had all of these opportunities and explored different pathways and pharmacy was still on my mind, I thought, well, this should this must be the right path for me. Um, and in pharmacy, you can also do research. Um, so pharmacy such a, has such a breadth um, to it. There is so much opportunity to find yourself in so many different um, workplaces. This that really excited me. So I um, had a friend who had moved to Perth um, to commence her master's of pharmacy at UWA. And she said to me, Loz, you'll love it. Come and move to Perth. I was 22 years old. I had never been to Perth in my life. I had to stand in front of my parents and say, I want to move into state to study for two years. Um, I made a empty promise that I'd only be there for two years and seven years later I'm still find myself in Perth. So I was fortunate enough to study at UWA and I loved my degree and being in Perth it is a small pharmacy community so you can get to get exposed to lots of different pharmacy practice and lots of different experienced people quite easily and I was fortunate enough to um, meet people like Deidre Criddle and Rhonda Clifford very early in my pharmacy career who are such influential um, people within our profession. I then did my internship at Sir Charles Gardner Hospital. Um, I entered pharmacy with a passion for community pharmacy and always thought I'd be a community pharmacist, um, but thought um, it's, it can be quite competitive to get into hospital pharmacy and internship is a really um, neat way of, of um, getting that experience in a hospital setting. And I, I really am passionate about systems and, and the, the macro level of health. So to get exposure to a broader range of, of the pharmacist's influence in healthcare was something I thought would be really valuable to me. So um, off I went to Sir Charles Gardner Hospital and I I fell in love with the environment, our department, um, working with uh, about 50 to 60 different pharmacists. Um, The the training and education and support I've received um, has been amazing. And during that time, being a registered pharmacist for four years, I um, worked in such a broad variety of roles. I've worked in supply and dispensary. I've worked in compounding and aseptic services. I've worked and managed a dispensary. Um, I've worked on the wards and orthopaedics and and rehabilitation. And I now find myself um, as a lead project officer on a project across our um, health service and managing a small team. And I really enjoy that governance and process and policy aspect. And um, it's not something that I thought I'd find myself interested in, especially when um, patience in that interaction with people was my initial um, uh, draw to the, the profession, but that evolution in understanding where your best contribution can be made in a workplace and um, 
and and that importance of having really robust structures around the systems of healthcare delivery. I think throughout the conference, throughout PSA 19, um, you will have seen conversations about how individual pharmacists are doing such a great job, but it's the system and process around us that are creating such barriers and challenges for us to deliver our full scope of practice. Um, so I, I really enjoy being at that that systems and governance level um, of involvement at our, our hospital. And I've been fortunate enough and in parallel to be engaged in PSA and have found some incredible mentors and people who have supported me um, um, in ways that I could never adequately express my gratitude and um, to have followed Taryn Gill, who was such an amazing leader and incredible contributor in her role in her two years as the ECP director um, to come into that role and explore this whole new world of um, being on a board has been a really eye-opening and, and complemented really well what has been going on in my workplace um, as well. Amanda Cross discusses her career journey and what has stimulated her work to work on systemic problems and make a change on a larger scale, as well as discussing her personal motivation and what she is looking to do next. I started working in community pharmacy from third year pharmacy um, and then did my internship in the same pharmacy. Um, From there, um, really enjoyed it, really enjoyed the management side of it as well um, so he became pharmacist in charge and was really keen to sort of increase our services and train up sort of um, the pharmacy assistants as well to sort of increase the quality of services we were doing. Um, I then through that started managing three stores from the same owner. Um, I wanted to do a little bit more on the medicine side of it um, like the I didn't feel like I had enough time with people in the pharmacy, so that's why I went back and did my graduate certificate and became Home Medicine Review accredited um, and worked with, obviously, the HMRs we were receiving at the pharmacy but also um, connected in with some of the local GP practices as well um, to try and... um, The people that we were identifying in the pharmacies and in all the pharmacies that my my owner owned (laughs) um, to try and help with them... um, the did that for a year or two and was starting to get I guess a little frustrated by seeing the same inappropriate medications and having limited ability to sort of change that or being able to help on an individual level but still seeing the sort of systemic problems um, which is why I then wanted to sort of try and make a change on a larger level which is why I explored the research side of it. Um, I also had uh, grandma who died of dementia so that was sort of inappropriate medication use and cognitive impairment sort of linked up and were quite um, big areas of passion for me um, which is what led into my PhD. Um, during the PhD obviously continued that clinical practice side in the community pharmacy and the home medicine reviews because I wanted to stay in touch with that and wanted to be con- constantly reminded of why I was doing this research and not become too removed from that which some researchers can get. Um, and during the PhD, there was also other opportunities in terms of collaborating with um, people from other states and um, teaching and tutoring and lecturing and all those sort of things, which I explored on the side as well. Um, and now sort of in limbo between having submitted the PhD but not quite a postdoc, um, sort of looking at the next option and, um, yeah, looking at what the next research area is or expanding what I did on my PhD. 
Joyce McSwan discusses the importance of the first couple of years of the career of a pharmacist following internship and the clinical knowledge evolution and sharpening the sword. I think it starts very, very early on. I think it starts pretty much straight after university days. I think that first one to three years of capture time is incredibly important. And I think that's a massive gap, which I'm really working very hard to unpack what that could look like in terms of a solution. That first three years is incredibly important to continue that momentum of um, knowledge, skills and level and including that of a, a very healthy mindset that comes um, from those early um, entrants into the career. Unfortunately, I think, um, I mean, if we can extract some of that cellular, I suppose, capability and optimise, then that and not be, you know, comfortable with complacency, then that's really important. However, I think what happens is unfortunately there is perhaps an environmental change or lack of support for those early pharmacists um, and, and lack of utilisation of those early days capabilities that then the change can start to happen. Um, equally, on the other hand, uh, you know, older pharmacists or more experienced pharmacists who've been in um, in the position they've been for a while and come from, you know, other areas of practice and practice comes in trends and, 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 and uh, patterns um, who have kind of not, not gone through the, the transition um, or, or not been capable to go through some of the uh, transition or optimise, I should say, then um, that growth hasn't happened. So, you know, the workforce capability therefore reduces. So at the end of the day, it comes back down to clinical knowledge evolution, um, continuing that evolutionary process of what I call sharpening the sword like you know a cut doesn't have to hurt um you know I think you can learn from that and then it's it's being okay with being sharpening that sword you know that's a discipline though that I think fundamentally uh, you know we need to try and support um as such yeah um okay I think coming out of university days um a, a, a pharmacist probably need to really realise that that is the minimum requirement of practice. I think that's fundamentally important that we are not, you know, even with all that knowledge that come out, that truly equips them at a minimum level of practice, meaning that that's not the end, that's not the be all end all now really is really the optimization process. And I think we need to be real at setting that expectation. I think it's not there. I think we come out thinking that, hey, what I've learned with the SUSPD guide and being able to memorise that is like my epic got to Mount Everest. I think, you know, coming out of uni is literally at base camp of Everest. Now let's soar Everest and let's show you how to soar Everest in the optimization, because if we're okay and if we think <laughs> that coming out of university and albeit, you know, of course you've done a very good job, is Mount Everest, then we got no further to want to climb. Like, why would you, right? So I think that's really important to spell out. I heard that, not sure where, but I heard that I think in one of the advisory education university boards that I was sitting in almost what, 15 years into my practice by that stage and almost realised that 
that was the minimum requirement. Oh my gosh, I thought I conquered, you know, <laughs> Ben Hur, but no. So I think our, our young ones should be really, you know, told, not, not in a negative way, but to go now, your backpack's on, you know, we've got your food supplies. Now let's go and climb that mountain and use that backpack and then know how to refill that backpack, right, when we need to because we'll need it as we ascend and climb Mount Everest. Like that I think is really, really important to um, really help them to understand so that then that workforce capacity can continue because what's going to come, I believe, in pharmacy, which is an extremely hopeful scenery that I'm certainly looking at, is that our scope of practice will increase it absolutely will the drivers are there you know some of the political talk is there we have actually reasonably good um representative bodies we do everything we've tried to ask for a lot of it we have got we haven't delivered on all of it though um and that is concerning because you know a couple of times of that and people will start to go well really could you deliver that or not so I think that focus on that comes back to that um that um workforce uh, capability um um support and you know um optimization yeah we hope you have enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast if you have any comments questions or suggestions about this episode please visit the AJP forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please send an email to ajppodcast at appco.com.au or follow us on Twitter at ajppodcast.